Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But, tr but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Well, as Libby said, we are looking at this series, Encounter. We're looking at prayer. We're looking at worship. And today we want to look at honest worship. What does it mean to worship God honestly, to pray to God honestly? What does it look like to worship God, to pour out our heart to God when we don't feel like it, but to articulate the pain that we may be going through, to cry out to God in all seasons, on the mountaintop or in the valley? I... Uh, Look at this psalm, Psalm 13, and I, I think about David. I think about him being broken and taken to the point of saying, God, I've had enough. And he's going and he's reaching for his guitar or harp or whatever he uses, and he just kind of pours out his praise. He pours out his song to God in a deep, very honest way. This is me when I was a kid. Now, when I was a kid, I was brought up in a Pentecostal church, and the worship leader was called David. Uh, obviously, uh, a lot of worship leaders are called David. You don't have to be called David. You can be called Mark or Martin or anything else, but he was called David. And every time I read in the Bible, I was like, wow, David was a worshiper. This is David. This could be. Was this David? Were you the David from the Bible? Anyway, I used to look at David, and I would stand almost in awe, watching him as he played the guitar, as he would pour out praise to God, as he would sing to God. And I asked my mom, I said, I, I want a guitar. So I got my mom to make me a guitar out of a shoebox. We didn't have much money. Um, and she had this little shoebox. She cut a hole in it. She stretched some elastic bands over it. And I randomly uh, decided to call it my ding-dong, which sounds a little bit rude, doesn't it? So I kind of would go around saying, ding-dong, ding-dong, what my ding-dong? And I would bring my ding-dong to church. And every Sunday, I would have my little guitar, I'm going to call it from now on. I would have my shoebox guitar. And when David worshipped the Lord... I would worship the Lord on my shoebox guitar. I eventually um, was upgraded to a little guitar, as you can see here. And it looks like I know what I'm doing. I think it's the key of G there, or the, the chord of G. I'm kind of trying to strum out there. But I would walk around with this guitar, and I would try and worship God. And I'd taken hold of a couple of lines from a worship song. I don't know if David had wrote it, but it was, Oh, Lord, my God, I trust in thee. The problem was, I only could remember the first part, so I would walk around church going, oh my God, oh my God, and my mum would be like, we trust in thee, we trust in thee, and eventually it got quite serious, and the pastor of the church uh, was kind of, had overheard that there's a little kid blaspheming and walking around the church, just shouting, oh my God, and he would follow me around singing the second part of the line would be, oh my God, we trust in thee, it's quite an interesting time. But I was always drawn to a guitar, and it would be my go-to. And at difficult times, I would go and get a guitar, and I would pour out my praise to God in all seasons, in the good times, in the bad times. I would pour out my praise to God. I would sing hymns and sing songs, and I would try and write songs. And I remember a time where when my parents were going through a separation, their marriage was breaking down. I would go into the middle of the night, and I'd find a little space. I'd light a candle, and in the darkness, 
I'd play the guitar and worship God in that season. I'd pour out my praise. In Psalm 13, we see David pouring out his praise to God. He's in a dark place. He's in a difficult time, but he's pouring out his praise. And what we see in this prayer and, and song, actually, is David's heart being poured out before him. We read it, but it's a song from deep within. It's composed it. It's compiled together of where he's at. He's been able to be honest with God. It's a real testament, isn't it, to his relationship with God that he can say to God, how long, Lord, must you forget me forever? How long, Lord? He says it four times. Now, this, to me, is a real um, symbol and it's a real telling picture of David's relationship with God because he can be so frank with God. He's not saying, oh, God, um, it's a little bit hard at the moment. You're a great God, aren't you? Lord, it's a little bit difficult. I just praise you. You're so wonderful. Life is great. If you don't mind, um, it's it's a little bit hard at the moment, God. He's, He's saying, oh, Lord, how long? How long must you forget me? Lord, forever? How long was my enemies? And he's been honest and open with God, pouring out his praise. Now, this has happened all throughout time. We are bombarded with songs that come through our radio, that come through our playlists, that we compile, the playlists that we make, songs that we attach certain seasons of our life, certain relationships with, and we sing other people's laments. We sing other people's songs. We try and connect our lives, and that song's significant for me because I can connect with that pain. Richard Ascroft from Verve, he wrote this song. He said, well, I've never prayed, but tonight I'm on my knees. I need to hear some sounds that recognize the pain in me. It's not a lament. It's not a sound. It could be, but it's him pouring out what he feels from his heart in a song. Hey, laments are a little bit like, oh my gosh. So I thought we'd lighten the load. Uh, we'd lighten the vibe uh, this morning. I thought we'd do a music quiz. So here we go. Music quiz. Who sang this? Which artist said this? Hands getting cold, losing feelings, getting old. Was I made from a broken mold? Anybody know who that is? A couple of shakes, a couple of kind of... Any guess? Give you a clue. She won five Grammys uh, recently. Amazing. She's 18 years old. Anybody? Yes, Billie Eilish. There we go. There she is. Okay, what about this one? Never, ever, have I ever felt so low. When are you going to take me out of this black hole? Again, could be a psalm. It's not a psalm. Dave, it's not the Spice Girls. It's not the Beatles. Who said this? All Saints. Nailed it. Okay, well, that, was, that was 23 years ago, by the way. 23 years ago. I know. It feels like yesterday, doesn't it? Never, ever, ever, ever. Okay, we're going to go back to 1968. Are you ready? Why do you build me up, buttercup baby? Just to let me down and mess me around. And then worst of all, you never call baby when you say you will. But I love you still. I need you. I need you more than air. Anybody know that? The nine o'clock crowd got it. The nine o'clock crowd got it. Anybody know it? You're not going to know. It's not the Beatles. They're not the Stones. Now you're ready. It's... Dave Richards, the foundations. Well done, Dave. Amazing. It's the foundations. We are bombarded all the time by people's laments, trying to articulate what is going on in their life, trying to articulate what is going on in their heart. And that's exactly what David's doing. King David here is pouring out his heart. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh Lord, how long, how long, how long? This song to God is really honest. It's really real. It's really raw. It's not fluffy and flowery. It's really real. It's amazing. 
I want you to imagine um, three barrels. So you approach these three wooden barrels. You go to the first barrel, and with an axe or a sledgehammer, you smash the first barrel open, and it breaks, and it cracks open, and sweet, flowing honey flows from the first barrel. How lovely. You go to the second barrel, you get a hammer, and you smash the second barrel, and it cracks open, and it splinters, and it's just empty. There's nothing in there at all. You go to the third barrel, and with your hammer or your axe, you smash it open, and thick black tar oozes out of the third barrel. I wonder if we're taken to the point of breaking, to the point where our lives fall apart, or we break, or we snap. I wonder what comes out. I wonder what flows out. And I imagine if you're anything like me, it'll depend on what you're going through. It'll depend on the life stage. It'll depend on what works like. It'll depend on sickness. It'll depend on health. It'll depend on a whole number of things. You might be in that stage of like, I just feel nothing. If I was to write a song, nothing would come out. Maybe you're like, life is sweet. If I break and I write a song, it's going to be a hit. It's going to be a number one because it's a good, I'm in a good place. Might be the thick black tar because you're going through a lot of pain. Like David in our psalm, he's pouring this out. This is what's coming out, pouring onto the page. And we do this every day. We pick up a pen and we write in our journal. We have a conversation with someone and we pour out what's going on in our life. We pick up an instrument and we try and write a song to articulate what is going on. Here's a question. I wonder what your lament would be. What's our lament? A lament could be described as a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. A lament. What would our lament be? Psalm 13 is known famously as the How Long Song. If you were to call it something, it would be that, the How Long Song. He says it four times in the first few verses. There's that How Long, Lord. This symbol of just, Lord, I'm getting impatient. You haven't answered my prayer. You've not come through for me. I've been praying and praying and praying, but you've not showed your face. Maybe this symbol is all too, all too familiar in our busyness of, of life. The symbol on your screen of the page is not loading. Spinning the wheel of death, going round and round. Do I need to restart my computer for it to work? Is it ever going to load? Is it ever going to come through? Is it ever going to happen? We live in a busy crazy time. It's interesting that we often do the same with God. We're in a bit of a hurry. It's like, Lord, can you answer this prayer? It'd be great if you could answer it like as soon as I get to the end of the sentence. But Lord, could you just come through for me? And have we lost the art of waiting? We heard um, on Wednesday, we had Transforming Edinburgh in here and uh, loads of church leaders just gathered. One church leader got up and he said, I would go to the same corner shop every, pretty much every day for milk, bread and so on. And in the corner shop was a family. They were a Hindu family. And I got to know them, or he got to know them over time. And he just had a real heart to begin to pray for them. So he started praying for them. He'd go back home and pray for this family. He knew them by name. He'd pray for them and pray for them and pray for them. Never saw any change. Never saw any results. But he faithfully prayed and prayed. He might have said, how long, Lord, until they find faith? How long, Lord, until something changes? How long, Lord, until I have a conversation about you? I'd love to see them uh, brought into your kingdom. I'd love to see them find faith. How long, Lord? So he prayed and prayed. Then they had kids. Prayed for their kids. Prayed for the kids by name. Prayed for the kids by name. Then one day, this church leader was at a church, Christian conference. And one of the kids, who's now in his 20s, was at the Christian conference. 
And he's like, oh, this is a bit embarrassing. Like, what are you doing? Are you at the wrong place? You're at the wrong venue? You know, this is a Christian conference. He's like, yeah, 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 I know. I'm a Christian. I've become a Christian. I've found faith. And this church leader was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So this church leader began to tell a story. And then he said, but you know what? I'm just going to stop. I'm going to let him come up and tell his story. So Nico, the guy that he'd been praying for for years, now a Christian, came up and shared his story about someone praying for him over and over and over again. This guy, Nico, is now married and he's just planted a church just down the road called Victory Hill. Amazing, eh? Absolutely amazing. We don't know what God is doing behind the scenes. We faithfully pray. We cry out to God, how long, Lord? How long, Lord? How long, Lord? But we don't know what God is doing behind the scenes. God is constantly at work. Our timing is not God's timing. And often we can find ourselves in a hurry, in a rush. My wife Katie's been reading uh, some books uh, recently on a guy called John Mark Comer, who's a church church planter and leader in Portland in the USA. But she's uh, just finished this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's an awesome book. It's an awesome book. Looking at God is love. And when we describe love, love, the first description of the word love is patient. If we lost the art of just being patient, waiting, and just, just pressing into God and praying God faithfully, crying out to God, trusting him with the timing, trusting him with the answer when the answer comes. I'm sure we all know what it's like. You know, we can relate to Psalm 13, the how long song. Maybe some of you have ever sent a text to somebody and you've been like, where's the reply? Like, that text was quite important. Do they not want to reply to that text? Like, I should have had a response by now. So maybe you've made a call and they're not picked up. Did they not get the text? You leave a voicemail. Okay, they should have listened to the voicemail by now. Like, they've not replied. A text would be nice. Or even a little thumbs up to say they've read it. Where's the response? I remember when I was at a clergy conference recently, and I was away for a few days, and um, Katie was at home. Her mum had come to join her to help with the kids. And I was just checking in to see if she was all right. So I checked in just before dinner. Hey, how's it going? Had the whole dinner, dessert come. There's no reply. Uh, she's probably just busy. I think she should be fine. She's fine. Got to the sort of wine and the coffee. There's, there's still no reply. Then one of the clergy guys said, do you want a game of snooker or pool at the end of it? Yeah, that would be good. I'm, I'm just kind of waiting for a reply from wife. But let, let's, let's do it. Go down and play snooker. But my mind's on, why hasn't she answered my call? Why hasn't she replied? Like, what's going on? Like, surely she's seen it by now. And the game was getting really bad and he was beginning to beat me. Otherwise, I'd have thrashed him. Just, put down there, just saying that. I would have absolutely annihilated him. But my mind was on other things. So I thought, I'll just sneak off to the toilet and call her, call her, no, she's not answering, leave a message, no, she's not answering, I try texting again, I'm, I'm going to go off piece, I'm going to go with a WhatsApp call, so I try on a WhatsApp call, no reply, I try a WhatsApp, I think I know what I'm going to do, I'm going to contact her through the email, because then the iPad's going to flash up, she's going to hear the iPad, the iPad's going to go off, no reply, I'm like, okay, I'm getting desperate now. I'm going to have to call my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is there with Katie. She's going to give it. She's like, you know. So I'm calling my mother-in-law. She's not answering. I'm texting my mother-in-law. She's not answering. Are they ignoring me? Is it our anniversary? Have I forgotten our anniversary? What is going on? Where is my answer to all this call, all this attention? I lost the game of snooker, obviously. And I was feeling, I was just like feeling waves of anxiety, panic. I always think worst case scenarios. I'm picturing all sorts of blood and stuff happening in my home. I'm like, what has happened? Then I get desperate and I think, there's a short window of time before my neighbours go to bed 
I could call my neighbours. They could go around, check she's still breathing, uh, and they could at least answer my call, and I can really sleep at night and know she's fine. Eventually, Katie answers my call. The prayer comes through. I'm like, babes, are you all right? Yeah, 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 we're fine. What are you doing? It's, like, it's 10 o'clock, and I've been texting you since like 7. Oh, yeah, we're fine. We're just doing a bit of spring cleaning. Spring cleaning at 10 o'clock at night. Babes, did you not hear all the texts and the voice? The iPad was going off. Yeah, they were all on silent. Oh, did you not know the pain I was going through? The anxiety I was feeling. My heart was breaking. I was imagining you crawling to the phone to try and get to it. You've no idea where I've gone. David is feeling a whole weight of pain, a whole world of emotions. Let's look at some of the things that David's feeling. Just in this text, he's saying to God, God, you've forgotten me. He's feeling forgotten. Has Katie forgotten that we were married? I'm trying to ask you. Is he forgotten? Is God, have you forgotten me? He feels like his enemies are all around me, him. He's feeling anxious thoughts and he's got a troubled heart. Now, this psalm's really interesting because... David is saying, the situation that I'm in is affecting my mental health. It's literally affecting my thoughts. I'm feeling anxious. I'm, I'm thinking thoughts I shouldn't be thinking. He's saying, it's affecting my heart, God. The scripture talks about his heart feeling sorrow. My heart is in sorrow. It's hitting him at every single level. The context for this is, is that David's on the run. King Saul, who's an older king, he's pursuing him. He's jealous of David. He's pursuing David. And David's in fear for his life. He's hiding out in caves. He's, he's just in an absolute dark, dark place, feeling all these things. He's desperate for God to answer his call. He's desperate for God to get back in touch. He's desperate for God to step in. He's desperate for God to intervene. He's desperate for God to answer him. You know, the message translation says this, long enough, Lord long enough. I've talked to the back of your head, God, for long enough. That's where David's at. That's where David's at. But it's interesting when you look at the psalm and you go through the psalm, and this is typical of a psalm by David, actually. He starts in a place where the valleys, he starts in the valley. How long, Lord? Oh, Lord, my enemy is against me. God, I cry out to you day and night. God, this is where I'm in. I'm in the depths of the dark, dark place. He starts in the valley. But as you track the psalm and you see the journey of David, he starts in the valley, but he often ends in the mountaintop. The psalm often goes through a journey. And David's taken himself from the place of sorrow to there. He's taken the place from despair to delight. He's journeyed his heart from there to there. King David is a king. He's a leader. He's a worshipper. But I want to suggest that he's also a worshipper leader because he leads himself in worship often when david would write a psalm as well it wasn't just personal to him but he's got in mind the people of god so he's saying oh lord how long would you forget us lord how long would you turn your face away from us will you remain silent from us will you deliver us lord jesus he's thinking about himself but he's thinking about a whole nation behind him David is someone that wants to go there first. And he's saying, God, God, speak to me that I may have the courage, that I may have the conviction to speak with, with authority and conviction to others that are around me that I'm trying to lead. Mark, our worship leader, often tells us to lead ourselves in worship, doesn't he? We are all worship leaders. And if you come to church in the valley, I believe it's our responsibility to take ourselves to the place of the mountaintop even if your situation hasn't changed, that your heart is changed. 
There's a real emphasis uh, even on uh, the armour of God. It says, put on the armour of God. It doesn't say, come to church and someone will clothe you with the armour of God. There you go, off you go, have a great week. There's a real responsibility for us to put on the armour of God. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, this, this sermon really speaks to me. I, I find myself at times getting down, getting negative, thinking thoughts and thinking worst case scenarios. And I have to do a lot of legwork to take myself to a place where I say, God, I don't understand. I'm feeling this, but I trust you. I don't, I don't get it, but I know that you're good. I feel like this, but I know that you're good. And I have to do quite a lot of that. And it's not just positive thinking, thinking, ah, oh, just ignore how you feel. Just, you know. That doesn't matter. And just think positively. It's about faith and trust. It's about positioning yourself. We say, God, I need you. I need you. I'm honest in prayer. I'm honest in worship. And I need you. And I've got to do that journey quite a lot in my heart, in my head, in my home, in my situation, in my thought life, wherever I go. This psalm, Psalm 13, is an amazing psalm. And there's three things that David touches on. The psalm goes through a journey of three points. It's three Ps. It's pain. Oh, Lord, how long must you forget me forever? My enemies are all around me. He, David's articulating his pain. I think it's great to do that. I think it's fine to do that, to come to God and beat on his chest and say, God, I'm in a world of pain. I just want to name my pain before you tonight, today, or whatever it is. I, this is my pain. David talks about his pain. He articulates it. He doesn't shy away from it. But then the psalm moves into prayer. Lord, will you, sh will you turn your face towards me? Will you bring light to my eyes? Will you help me see the situation in a new light? Will you bring light to my eyes? Will you deliver me? So it goes from pain to prayer. But this is the key thing about this psalm. It then turns to praise. And this is, this is the important bit. How awful if we remove the, 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 the third one. Eh? It's just pain and, and prayer, pain and prayer. But there's hope. There's hope in the middle of it. He turns his prayer into praise. Let's look at verse 5 here. What does he say here in verse 5? He says, if we can get the, the verse up there, it just goes, he says, I, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. So he's saying all this is going on, but. All this is happening, but. And there's all these, all the way through Scripture, you see, therefore, in view of God's mercy, I will. This is happening, yet I do this. Everything is around me, but I will. And it's this conscious decision and choice of saying, even though, still I will praise you. Even though, I will do it. I will sing. David's taking himself to the place and he's saying, even though my situation is going on, I will still sing your praise. It's interesting with this psalm, isn't it? Because it's not a concluded psalm. When you read it, he says, how long will I wait? How long will I wait? How long will I wait? Uh, will I wait, Lord? Will you turn your face to shine upon me? He then doesn't say, oh God, thank you. Yeah, you've done it. You've nailed it. You've ticked that box. You've answered my prayer. You've answered my cry. Therefore, I'm going to praise you. Because you've done it, I, I, I now can praise you. I can get on with my life. Because you've sorted it out and you've heard my prayer, now I can do it. The psalm's not concluded. His situation hasn't changed, but his heart has. David's heart has changed in the middle of it. He's saying all this is happening, but still. He's not saying, okay, God, I'm in a tunnel. 
It's dark all around me. When I get out to the other side, then I'll worship you. Then I'll praise you. What David is doing is he's reaching to the light and he's bringing it into his presence. He's actually holding the light. He's saying, God, I'm in a tunnel. There's light at the end of it. I believe in it, but I'm not going to wait until I get through this tunnel to praise you. I'm going to bring the hope here. I'm going to remind myself whatever is pure, whatever is good. I'm going to think on them things. I'm going to build myself up. Scripture talks about encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself. David, the worship leader, is bringing light to his present and he's holding hope in his hands. He's saying, God, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what the future holds, but I know you hold a future, and, and I, I'm going to hold you in my, I'm going to hold hope in my hands. Let me just end uh, just with a little confession. Um, when I come to worship God on a Sunday, there's times where I don't feel like it. I'm sure nobody here feels like that. But I, I, I'm there, and I'm aware that I, I'm there, and I'm standing at the front, and, and it's like the songs there that the band have put all their time in, all their effort, they've rehearsed, they've gone for it, you know, and they're providing us an opportunity, an invitation to worship. And my heart's like, <laughs> my heart's just not feeling it. My head's thinking about bolognese or something else. And I'm just not there. I'm just not there. And if I'm going to be completely honest, I put my hand in the air in faith. And, as a, and it's not about putting your hand in the air, but it's about, it's about your heart. I put my hand up and say, God, I don't feel it, but I know you're good. I don't understand it, but I trust you. I don't know how it's going to end up or conclude, but you're still worthy of my praise. You're still worthy of it. And sometimes my heart catches up with my head. Sometimes I go there first and lead myself in worship and say, God, you're good. God, you're good. And then two or three songs in, I actually believe it. <laughs> God, you are good. Of course you're good. You're great. And I begin to worship and cry out to God, and I meet God. He meets me right where I am. David, the psalmist, wrote these psalms, inspired generations to come. This is Paul saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice Whatever's going on in your life, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again, rejoice. I, I believe David inspired future leaders to take themselves to a place where even still, whatever they're going on, is going on in life, that they bring their praise to God, their lament to God. They go through the pain, the prayer, but they end with praise.